The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the SAS District community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. This episode is sponsored by WA.T, the most economical WhatsApp official business API provider. They are a 100% white label solution for agencies. They also provide easy integration with major shopping CRMs. WhatsApp is the future of commerce and they're trying to make it affordable even for small businesses. If you'd like to automate and enhance your customer support by using WhatsApp Business API, visit wa.team today. If you'd like to receive a promo code for a 90-day trial of Balsamic, or even just thank the folks at Balsamic for supporting our community, visit balsamic.com slash go slash SAS district today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. In today's episode, we are back on our special episodes as part of a mini-series for the month, where we interview different team members of a SAS company to learn their expertise as part of the overall business strategy. On today's mini-series of Inside Balsamic, we're going to talk about the importance of building longevity inside your SaaS business. And joining us on as our guests today, we have Alistair Manson and Valerie Liberty from Balsamic. Alistair is the customer champion of Balsamic. He has been developing his passion for great service in a number of fields over the last two decades. Whether it's mobile computing, winter sports, video hosting, or wireframing, the one common factor is providing exceptional support, which we'll talk about today. And then here we also have Valerie, who is the head chef at Balsamic, but she also handles sales and free inquiries in the WOW division. She is their first US employee and has been helping customers try to rid uh, rid the world of bad software since the 90s, even before she and Peldi worked together at Macromedia or Adobe. Uh, Balsamic may be a flat organization, but she still answers to one manager, which is her 18-year-old rescue pet, Cooper. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So welcome, Alistair. Welcome, Valerie. Super excited to have you guys on the SAS District Show today. Thanks Thank a lot. Yeah, this is really exciting for us. So <laughs> thanks for hosting us. No, no worries at all. So, uh, you know, a lot of our people listening in, they, they run a software company and they understand the importance of support, right? Customer support um, as part of a feature. But a lot of our new businesses have a great product, but maybe don't know how to do you know, great customer support beyond maybe answering the calls and questions as more of a reactive way. What's kind of the Balsamic's way of doing great customer support? That's uh, a really great question because, um, first of all, we think that in order to provide great support, you really have to love your problem because that support faucet is not going to turn off. Even the best products, even the most well-designed systems are going to have humans who come back to you. So you have to love the problem that you're going to solve, hire like-minded people who are good at what they do, and then let them kick ass, right? We like to compete on product usability, of course, but also customer service. We have, since day one, paired them as equal values for us. It's, you know, what we, if we were, if we had corporate goals, that would be one of them. Um, you know, we're, our mission is to try and rid the world of bad software. And so that puts us on a place where it doesn't matter if you're a paying customer or not. We're trying to help you 
make better software and removing that um, umbrella of payment helps us to also focus customers. Are we even the product that you want or need? Let's really talk about what's happening here. And then once we know it's a good fit, uh, we can hit their issues from both angles. And maybe just one uh, follow-up question on that, which you said, you know, learn or, you know, being able to love uh, the problem you're solving. Is that something, you know, you've developed over time and you just found as you've kind of worked with, with the company or is it something from day one that is a skill you must have and you must be obsessed with? That's a great question. I'm the luckiest person in the world. Eldie and I worked together um, before this, and that was before Balsamic even existed, was something that we knew. In order to be a happy person, in order to be productive and passionate at work, you have to love what you're doing. And I'm a problem solver, and I love puzzling it out. If you, and it doesn't matter, right? I could do the same puzzle every day with, 20 different people because there's always a little bit of a change and maybe I have seen it before so I can help you right away. Maybe it's something new because the world of technology has changed. So um, it's really about, you know, finding people who love to do what they do and then just let them go. Mm, that's, that's fantastic. Makes perfect sense. Um, and then you guys also have another you know, feature or, you know, something you guys talk and, you know, mentioned internally, which is called free mail. Um, you know, what, what exactly is free mail and, and how, and why, why do you guys use that? Is, is that for you, Alice there? Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to, I was going to give that a break. Uh, so, um, uh, we call it free mail, free mail, uh, simply put our free licenses for nonprofits, uh, educational institutions who are using, who are teaching, uh, user, uh, interfaces and user experience and also what we call other do-gooders and uh, maybe people who are contributing to open source projects or who are just using their personal free time or their retirement to uh, donate you know experience and time to projects which are helping to make the world a better place and so we give them uh, free licenses and uh, in the case of some of those users you know it'll be uh, an expiring license you know that lasts for the duration of a class or a course and in other cases, uh, we'll just give somebody uh, a, a lifetime license for our desktop product so that they can go out there and help make the world a better place. Hmm. Was this a decision made? You know, you know when this was decided, and you know, was this part of you know the whole education? Was it part of giving back, or was it okay? Let's help these students use this as part of their curriculum, and maybe when they graduate and they get into the workforce, they'll also want to incorporate and continue using it. Yeah, I think uh, Val can probably speak better to this, but I know it goes right back to the very early uh, stages of the company where Peldi made a decision to, uh, you know, support people, you know, to, uh, he, we see that we are helping people to make the world a better place and we're helping them to help their customers and clients make the world a better place. But, you know, for him, I think software donation was a big part of that. And maybe Val can speak to, uh, you know, the origins of that program. There's another really um, healthy aspect to it. And that is uh, the first people who we really, really wanted to help were students, right? Because we know, I mean, we're not, we all get it, right? Students. I don't want to say that they borrow software or they distribute software, <laughs> but they get it. You know, nobody wants to pay a lot of money for a license for a class. 
So the from the very, very get-go, we knew we wanted to provide schools a great way. And we provided to schools, not students, because we wouldn't be able to keep up with that volume of students. So it's one license per school. Boom, done. And then the kids can liberally distribute, the students can liberally distribute it mm-hmm. because it's going to end in a year. And Maybe these students who are getting it, you know, on the side, they might be in, you know, not in the engineering or CS department, they could be in the architecture department and people are finding, wait, this is an excellent process that will help me doing, help me to do what I need to do, even if I'm not designing a website, right? I'm Mm. a comic book artist and I want to, I don't know, storyboard. I don't know. We've heard some of the craziest people can wireframe just about anything. Uh, So, you know, that was the, uh, one of the original intents is to change the trajectory of license distribution to take the crime out of it. And then secondly, Mm -hmm. to address piracy, we know people pirate, right? We know that Our product may or may not be easy to crack. What we do is we don't focus on that uh, group of folks. People who pirate are going to pirate. There's a whole psychology about why you pirate, why you crack, why you, you know, you get a little thrill out Mm -hmm. of it. They're not our customers anyway. We've got a different group of folks who we focus on. So we know that that's happening. That we we kind of got off on a tangent, but free mails or what we, uh, Paula, one of our engineers from way back, we used to call them freakies, like the freakies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, the freakies, <laughs> it could be, you don't even know what people are going to be doing with Balsamic, but we're happy to help you out to rid the world of bad software. No, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, that's interesting that you guys, you know, made that decision from the beginning, right? I can see that as, you know, kind of as a reactive uh, approach of, you know, okay, look, all our, our software is getting, you know, being distributed for free or being hacked into. Uh, and then, you know, giving away all this free software versus focusing, you know, on the paying customers, I think is, you know, seems kind of counter, counterintuitive, right? Uh, I mean, maybe to an extent, you know, I think the main driving reason is, that, you know, people ask us, why do you give away your software for free? Uh, it's easy. It's the right thing to do. And it makes a huge impact, you know, and so it allows us to help, not just help people, but help people to help people. Yeah, now that's a very good statement because, yeah, I mean, I mean, the reason why I brought up that question is because, you know, maybe there's some SaaS founders listening in and, you know, their, their main core motivation is, you know, going to be growth and money and revenue. And I know you guys operate a little bit different. Um, you know, you don't you don't have kind of cake, you know, KPI goals and growth and you know sales strategies. So, which is you know kind of different than the typical SaaS companies. But which I think will tie into the next question, which is building a company for for longevity, right? Um, which is an important goal at Balsamic. But oh, before I get into that, go for it, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. we get to that, I um thank you a lot for refocusing that this is a SaaS podcast mm-hmm. because I want to <laughs> um, also take people down. Um, that free road to the correct finish, which is we don't provide free SaaS. We don't provide free balsamic cloud, period. Amen. I don't care if you're a do-gooder. I don't care if you're a government. I don't care who you are, how you got here. Mm. Our cloud product is only paid for from within the app with a credit card. The other, uh, we use Google. Oh our product away. Sorry, I just want to make sure that we aren't um, misleading anybody. 
No, that's a, that's a, no, that's a fantastic way to think about it. It's like, we're still a business. We're still a SaaS company, but yeah. Okay. We're just, uh, we just have a different way of, 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 of uh, distributing it and getting the word out there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so yeah, back to my point around, you know, the longevity, right. So, which is kind of the core theme topic of this episode. Um, that's an important goal for balsamic and mentioned several times with different guests as well. What's the importance of longevity and how do you guys approach that? Well, you know, we are super lucky to have a technical founder. Again, my favorite genius friend, Peldi. And um, he told me at the very beginning, hey, I'm Italian. We judge success not on quarters, on generations, right? Mm. Slow down, Val. It's We're here for the duration, which is why we had to focus on our core customers. The people who we value, the people who we're focused on, our mission is to help people who are trying to rid the world of bad software, right? Those uh, pirates or, you know, whatever. Anybody who's not here, we're ignoring them, dealing with them as best we can. So from the very beginning, uh, because Peldi was lucky enough, you know, we were lucky enough to work at Adobe and, you know, go through all those mergers and acquisitions and layoffs and contraction and oh, all of that. And he was like, let's see if we can do it different. Just, and, and let's see if we can do it in Bologna. I mean, it was just mm. crazy enough at a time that it was, yeah, let's check it out, man. Magic. It's magic. And here it is. Here we are. Yeah. All right. right. Uh, yeah. Alistair, do you want to say something about support in longevity and how we keep yeah. people from... Absolutely. I think, and you touched on this, Akil, you know, we don't, um, we're a very non-metric driven company. You know, I've worked for some companies where the, you know, KPIs are everything and, you know, a percentage, you know, move up or down there, you know, can change policy and procedure. You know, we we really don't look at our metrics, uh, which sounds crazy, um, but that's because we really are focused on uh, building relationships, you know, finding the human in our customers, being empathetic and building long-term relationships with our customers. And I think that that kind of speaks to the longevity piece. Um, you know, we'll occasionally, you know, I work in support, so I read a lot of emails every day and uh, there's a little... A header at the top of each of the emails that comes in so I can see when, you know, I last spoke to a customer. And it's not unusual for us to get an email from a customer that hasn't spoken to us for eight years. And then they pop up in our, you know, in our uh, email inbox and they're like, oh, hey, I had a problem. You're like, wow, you're, you know, you started using this thing eight years ago and we're only just hearing from you again. And, um, you know, so that's not unusual. And I think it kind of goes to, you know, you know, we're driven by, we have a set of defined company values that kind of reflect who we are and how we work. Like most companies, we have policies and procedures, you know, that that guide our daily uh, work. Uh, we also have a couple, you know, some kind of more informal mantras. One of those is to meet customers where they are, and I think that um, you know that that speaks very simply to you know if a customer wants to email us, then we'll answer their email. If they want to call us, then we'll answer the phone. If they want to send us a message on LinkedIn, then you know whatever channel they want to use. Uh, we will meet them where they are, and that also goes to the you know if they're wireframing in the classroom, you know we'll help them in the classroom. And I think that when you uh, when you meet customers where they are, you kind of uh, respect their desire to be helped the way they want to be helped. And so, 
you know, speaking as a consumer, you know, I'm a, I have a very high bar for a customer service um, because I deliver, I hope, exceptional support every single day. Um, but when I'm a consumer of service, I set the bar very high. And so I'm very, very often disappointed by customer service experiences. Um, but, I, you know, there's nothing annoys me more than when I, I, I want to email a company because I'm having an issue with a subscription or something's not working and I can only call them. No, yeah. it drives me crazy or the other way around or whatever, you know, but that's a company not meeting me where I am. And, or, uh, or an I automated that, chatbot, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a big, huge fan of internet chat, but you know, the point I'm making is um, I think that when you meet customers where you, where they are and you help them, whether it's one, once every eight years or uh, every 10 minutes initially, maybe when they're first starting out with the product, then uh you have the opportunity to develop a, a more human relationship with them and develop a more long-term relationship with them. And, you know, it's possible from a business point of view that you got 70 bucks from them over the course of 10 years. It's also possible that they might go to their manager and say, you know, this company rocks and they might buy a 2000 seat license for a SA, uh, you know, software as a service product. So it's, uh, I think it's all about building long-term relationships with customers. And you can measure that, you know, it's hard to measure that qualitatively, but we all know it quantitatively. It's hard sure. to measure that quantitatively, but we all know it qualitatively. Qualitatively, that's right. Um, and maybe just, um, so exceptional customer service, I, I agree with that. Maybe that's one part of, you know, building longevity into your SaaS. Is there any other, you know, practical areas of which how you guys are building and structuring that longevity piece into the overall company that you can talk about? Let me just jump in quickly with um, one thing for SaaS companies. Third-party billing is a night can be a nightmare, <laughs> and I think that that is probably the um, a big challenge. And so I'll just tell you the way we solved that because sure. it um, it takes a lot of stuff right off the table. So as I mentioned, Balsamic Cloud is a SaaS product. All billing takes place from within the account. So the way ORS works is I'm Joe User. I create a free trial. I invite an unlimited number of humans. I, I have you know an unlimited number of files in each project. We're billing you based on the number of projects. But now I don't want to flip my credit card in or more likely my company won't allow me to put a credit card into expense later. So we've got this billing only admin feature and that email address could be tied to a person, of course, but it could also be a gang mail or something, um, can log in and see the details of the account without access to the intellectual property. And mm. so the easy way for that is if you're using a reseller or you know a, a finance team, they can just create their finance at email address, have their own password, log in, pay from within that. Everybody gets the invoices. Everybody knows when the account is, you know, being notified of lifecycle events, but period, amen. So that's a nice locker that we um, use. I don't know if other folks are doing No, that. I mean, that's that's a real problem in the industry. And I had a, a guest on recently, you can check out the podcast named Sunir Shah. He has a company called AppBind. And that's exactly what he's solving is, that same issue, but you guys seems like you guys solved it specifically inside. So, so you guys are thinking way ahead. Nice. We're like super <laughs> lucky to have these super smart people who can 
commit their time to, all right, let's just solve this teeny. I mean, it, we, it's from where I said, come on, it's a teeny tiny problem, right? Just look to fix mm. it. And then let the engineers go crazy and solve yeah. it on their own terms. Yeah, exactly. Um, Look that guy up with us. Let us help him. Or maybe, you know, we can share. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make that introduction. Um, If if maybe other SaaS founders listening in, they want to start implementing, you know, something similar in their business. Any, Any thoughts that, you know, maybe practical steps they can do? And maybe a question to ask themselves is, should all companies be aiming to go for the long run, that longevity, that Italian way of thinking or, you know, versus the typical, you know, American or North American way of thinking of just grow and, you know, short-term quarter by quarter goals? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. You know, uh, one thing uh, that I was going to mention uh, earlier when we talked about, you know, support as a feature, and I think that this does have an effect on longevity, is hiring. You know, Val and I mm-hmm. talked about this in our preparation. Um, you know, that's starting at the point of hiring is very important for us. I think, you know, building, uh, finding uh, uh, employees who share your values you know, the, I've heard the term culture fit before, you know, I think there is something to that, but, you know, uh, we're big on hiring, uh, team members with, who are uh, big on empathy, you know, because that's a value that we value. And I think that, uh, you know, a good hire is something that, uh, just builds in longevity from the start. And conversely, a bad hire is something that, you know, wastes time and money and, and, you know, causes a lot of short-term problems. So, you know, we try and hire from within our community, you know, we're always looking, you know, we have a, we have a lot of different channels. You know, we have a Slack workspace. We have a community of customers, obviously. You know, but we do try and hire from within the community. And uh, I think that if you get the hiring, you know, if you focus on hiring right, uh, that can help build uh, longevity. You know, almost as a side effect. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Val, <laughs> anything else you want to add before we get into the rapid fire questions? I see you have the the three kind of slogans at the back, be so good, they can't ignore you. What are the three? Maybe just mention them out. What you guys? There's three on top that you can't see. So I'll just read okay. sure. the first one. We're good people and we care. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of speaking to what Alistair was saying. There we go. Alistair will show you on the cup. <laughs> I got a mug. You got the poster. <laughs> Give and earn trust and respect. Be a great teammate. Those are the top three. Then we come down to be so good they can't ignore you. That's a Steve Martin quote that we've loved since we heard it, you know, in the 80s. Aim for longevity. That's ours. And always be kaizening. Kai zen. Kai is Japanese for time and zen, you know, the emotion surrounding it. And so that is kind of interpreted as leave everything better than you found it. Always be improving in everything you do. And um, if you can find teammates who are as enthusiastic about those things, you know, chef hire them. You win. <laughs> right. Very. There you go. There's the recipe for, for all success, right? The right people. Yes. Love it. Love it. Exactly. Great people. Great <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. It's all about the people. Nice. Um, cool. So, you guys ready for some, a little bit of an inter. Uh, episode questions. Um, so we'll start with you, Alistair. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite balsamic pet team member and why? God, see, I knew you were going to, I knew this was coming and <laughs> a couple of my, couple of my coworkers saw this question was coming. And, uh, <clears throat> so here's the thing. I'm one of the few people at balsamic <laughs> who doesn't own a pet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm lucky to be surrounded by people and, uh, I'm going to fess up right now. I am by nature, a cat person. Mm-hmm. So my first uh, answer was always going to be, uh, 
Brendan's cat, uh, who appears uh, frequently in meetings, uh, either seen or heard or both. Um, but I met a dog uh, about four or five years ago who changed my opinion of dogs dramatically. And so I'm all about Cooper and Odin and Kachow <laughs> and all of the other dogs in Balsamic. So I am going to answer this question by not answering the question because I love them all. Yes, great question. Great, great answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so all the cat, cat people out there, you can be convinced that dogs are, are great as well. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Um, so Lake Tahoe, California, what's your favorite activity to do in summertime? That's an easy one. I'm a golfer. I am a crazy, I got this from my dad. I'm a crazy, crazy golfer. I try and play every week, at least once a week, if I can. Um, I joined the NCGA, the Northern California Golf Association, about five years ago and to get a handicap. And so now I'm participating as frequently as I can in tournament events. I got my handicap down from 22 to 15, which feels like, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it to the PGA Tour, but... Uh, <laughs> It gets under your skin, man. I love hitting that little white ball. Always be kaizening, right? I mean, as long as you're shooting, that's what matters, right? Here you go. That's exactly right. Here you go. Lives all over. I love, I love it. I love it. Cool. Uh, Valerie. Way to go, Akil. Way to bring it home. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So we have Cooper and Nala. I'm guessing those are your, your dogs. Yes, I yeah. have. Uh, Cooper is 18 years old. He's a little okay. rescue mutt and he is my shadow. Nala is his big sister. She's a 17 year old Rhodesian Ridgeback. So they're oh, wow. hilarious together. Um, so Cooper, you know, he, you know, I'm the head chef here at Balsamic mm -hmm. and one of our pull down help menu features is what should I make for dinner, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have to test out all these recipes and Cooper votes with pasta water. So he'll take anything uh, that I make, but he likes it double extra if I give him a ladle of pasta water in it. Mm. And we call it dog soup. So mm. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's good to know. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know if any dog likes to go to the vet, but you're saying one, uh, how's the one that hates most going to the vet? Which one is that? It's Cooper. Yeah. He's, if, you know, we walk to our vet, we try to live car free here and mm -mm. Um, we can't even walk toward you know, in the direction of the vet. So oh, wow. he's, he's got the vet on the mind at all times. So yeah. okay, you okay. Know, he's like out the door and turn to the right. Otherwise, no, I'll just sit, he'll sit down. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. It's a scary place. He knows. Yeah. Just not right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't but you him. know, there's lots of other things over there. It's not mm. just the vet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <heel>. Uh, <laughs> Cool. I'm going to move. Uh, so the next questions are going to be for both of you guys. Uh, just a couple of rapid fire questions. And um, maybe Alistair, you kind of mentioned this, but maybe I don't know if there's something else. Is there a favorite favorite hobby outside of work that you find gets you into flow state? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I like to walk. I live in a beautiful place mm -hmm. where uh, at least, you know, maybe seven months of the year, there's no snow on the ground. And, uh, you know, I live right next to a meadow. I can walk to Lake Tahoe itself in about 15 minutes. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And the scenery is beautiful, so I do like the walk. Um, once winter gets going, you know, and I put my golf clubs away, then I get my snowboard out and I dust off my snowboard because I'm an avid snowboarder. So uh, I do try and occasionally, um, because, you know, I'm blessed to work at a company where uh, life work balance is important. And, uh, you know, I can get a morning off to go get in uh, two hours of runs on the hill before I come to my desk. So, yeah, if I'm not golfing, I'm snowboarding. Uh, but uh, always outside in this beautiful location. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How about you, Valerie? Well, my way that I get zen about work is I completely change gears and I live right near an elementary school and I am the afternoon dismissal crossing guard. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I scoot over there and there's a street that's, you know, fairly busy. And that's me with my stop sign and all my little friends. And, you know, I just completely remove myself from the technical world and get very, very out in the sunshine, out in traffic with some families and, you know, nutty, nutty situations. And then by the time I get back to my desk, you know, you're just completely refreshed. Mm. I am just completely refreshed. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Give back. Help. That's the way to clear your head is go help somebody. Mm. Maybe, Maybe a question on that. So, you know, giving back and helping, is there a way, You've you've thought of how to to do that effectively, or is it just you know somebody asked you and or just an opportunity came up and you you kind of volunteered or are you actively looking for for these things? Oh, Either that's one. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'll just jump in quickly and say you know people who are open to opportunity, they're the people who the opportunity comes to. Right. Mm. This happened to be some uh, a neighbor was posting. She works in the office at the school, and she was like, "It's forty minutes a day." Nobody wants this job. Could anybody help us out? (laughs) So anyway, Alistair, I jumped on you, go. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as someone who works in support, and I think a lot of people who work in support find this, I have become the kind of unofficial technical support person for my peer group. So when someone has a problem with their computer, you know, I get a call and, uh, you know, I'm an avid poker player. And, uh, you know, we moved out of the home game onto online and uh, we play this online poker game every Wednesday. And uh, I'll often get a call on Wednesday afternoon, like, I can't log into my poker client. Can you mm-hmm. please come in? And so I'll jump in the car and go over there because there's uh, it helps me to help them to lose money. So, but you know, the kind of unofficial, you know, peer group technical support is, uh, is how I get to volunteer. Nice. Awesome. Um, and then in terms of career path, right? If somebody's looking to to join, you know, your team, either one of you guys, your division, your department, or balsamic, other than you know, empathy being one characteristic, um, what else should you know people listening in look to develop um, you know, in their career, in the professional areas? Is there any software or skills, whether it's hard or soft skills they should be thinking about developing if they want to want to work with you guys? Alistair, why don't you take the technical response and then I'll give my philosophical response. Yeah. So yeah, this is a really good question. And, you know, based on my own experience, you know, I've done, I've always worked in support, but I've done support for uh, wireless mobile, online color correction, Java virtual machines, uh, 
online video hosting and uh, wireframing. And, you know, those uh, disciplines have things in common, but, you know, from a kind of a product point of view, they couldn't be more different. Uh, and so, you know, what I've learned is that the, it's the underlying skills that are more important. You know, your ability to uh, hear customers, your ability to communicate well with customers, your ability to solve problems. And uh, I think, you know, there's a parallel. I worked in uh, winter sports. Uh, I took a career break and worked in winter sports uh, for a few seasons. You know, I, I learned to become a snowboard instructor. I worked at a ski school. And they have a saying in ski school when they're looking for new ski instructors. And that is that you hire the smile and you train the feet. So, you know, we have a lot of people who come in the door and they think they're the world's best skiers. And they think that because of that, they're going to be a great ski instructor. And it's not true. You know, you hire people because of their soft skills, how they handle classes, how they communicate with their customers, how they adapt to different customer needs. You can teach anyone to, to teach skiing, but teaching someone to handle customers is a whole different thing. So I would say, you know, hire the smile and train the hands. Um, if you find someone that is, that's got the fundamentals of customer interaction down in communication, then whether it's mobile wireless or Java virtual machines or uh, wireframing, you know, you can, the technical skills can come later. And it's not that they're not important, you know, being a fast learner, being able to learn uh, is important, but I think the underlying skills are more important. Nice. Anything to add to that, Val? Yeah. So um, right along with that, when you're talking about a small SaaS company or a small SaaS team, I'm just going to give you the straight dope. You can't have somebody who's a climber. And we have, you just want, we needed to find, we need and have been lucky to find people who don't want to work up a corporate ladder and go from, okay, this year I'm going to do this. And next year I'll be the senior that. And after that, I'm going to move into management for two or three years. And pretty soon I'll be a VP and then, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. This ain't that, right? If you... Make sure that you know, that's, you know, see rule one, love your problem. If you find somebody who loves this, this is what we do, right? You are going to, this job is going to change ridiculously just because of the nature of SaaS, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be, it, it's not boring, but it's, but it's going to always be this problem, right? right? And if you define your problem well, and you define it so that people know when they're looking to join, this is the problem we're solving for. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to change. This isn't a one-year, three-year goal. This is our company goal, right? Once you strain out those people, and there's plenty of work for those people. There's lots of big companies. If you have that need or want, or historically that's what you thought you wanted, you know, that exists still. But for hiring, you have to just be straight up honest about what we're doing is we're working on this problem together. Are you mm -hmm. into it? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And I guess maybe tied to that, the next question, you guys have been both working for Balsamic for, I'm guessing, close to, to, to a decade or more. Um, what, what, what motivates you to continue still working so hard? Yeah, Lister, why are you still working so hard? <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. You know, people ask me what I look for uh, in a company, and I think it. I like to be surrounded by uh, good, you know, talent, smart, talented people who are great at what they do, and I have that in spades at Balsamic. And uh, so, you know, just 
uh, doing a good job for my teammates and, you know, being a good teammate, that, that, that is all I need to get out of bed in the morning. And I'm not very good again. I bed in the morning. <laughs> That's a particularly sore spot for Alistair and me yeah. because we're in California. And oh, yeah. so they're waiting for us at 8 a.m. to get up and oh, be on, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody else is Chicago, Europe. And so we're yeah. the last ones. And oh, yeah. both Alistair and I are excellent sleepers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what gets you up every morning at 8 a.m., Bell? What gets you excited? Oh, this is the funnest job. This yeah. is just fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alistair is absolutely right. The people, I mean, this could be dead, dead killing, right? If you've got the wrong ideas, the wrong goals, the wrong tools, we just have taken the the pressure off to say, hey, team, what's going to make it better for the customer? Because mm-hmm. essentially when things are best for the customer, it, you know, we just have to grease the process so that everything works. We just have to deal with the sore thumbs that stick out every now and again. Mm. And those are the good problems, right? Like, why did that happen when we thought? So, yeah, uh, I have enthusiastic teammates with great senses of humor, and we like to play jokes and tricks and travel together. And we've got a wiki page of stories that we're waiting to tell when we can finally get back together at a you know, bar in, in Bologna. So yeah. Cool. Um, I guess yeah. last question to, to add to that, maybe just in one word, what is it that you love the most about Balsamic? I know it's, I know it's the money for you, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ali, what do you love? I love the people. The best? people? Yeah. yeah. And that's not just my coworkers. That's my customers as well. Mm. You know, I'm empowered to do a good job on behalf of my customers and it, just it makes doing a good job so pleasant and uh you know i find so many companies it's they put up roadblocks and you know they make it hard for their employees to provide great service and providing great services you know sometimes providing great service is easier than providing poor service but -hmm. some companies have a real habit of just you know putting a spanner in the works so you know it's all about the people for me Mm. how about you Val? Um, yeah, I think that it exists, you know, this is a very unusual time and it is a very unusual technology and it had to come about when, you know, computer images were starting to be able to move and link and, you know, flash. Peldy and I had to be working at the same place. It had to, I mean, so many things fell into place it's just a great story, you know? And he came to California to learn. If I wanted to do this, how would I? Knock, knock, knock. Hey, I'd like to learn how to run a software company here, you know? And then yeah. take this model back to my hometown and and make sure we're super foodies, you know? Like he's just set us up to be happy and satisfied. It's really mm-hmm. enough. He's trying to give us all, we're trying to provide enough. Mm. And when you have people who can be happy with enough, you know, it's wow. not those climbers. It's, you know, that's balsamic. That's our balsamici, we call each mm. other. And I think we have enough. That's a, that's a powerful reason. Yeah, just being happy with enough. I guess most people uh, maybe find that hard to hard to grasp. But yeah, that's, mm. that's, that's a good, good point. Um, cool. Thank you guys so much for, for joining today. Is there anything else you guys want to add or, or you know, just for people takeaways before we wrap this up? 
No, I really say. appreciate it. Really appreciate the time. And I can't wait to hear the other podcasts. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, we're remote. We were distributed since day one. And I know if people get lonely and you just want to reach out and talk to us about working remote on a SaaS or, you know, any of this stuff, you know how to find us and we would be just love to contribute, uh, continue a dialogue. So Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Appreciate you jumping on SaaS District Show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SAS industry. If you're a SAS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.